0: alternative
1: monkey grassroots anarchy freeform
0: i get it's i haven't done this live for two years why well i've done it from home from the home studio this is my because of covid right. they haven't let us back in the studio sometimes we some i'm people right and it was hard for, I can be wrong. Photograph, cause you to photograph Good afternoon you're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor I'm T Hetzel you've got living writers and today I'm so (laughs) I'm completely beside myself (laughs) because Michelle Oka donor is here um, in the studio Michelle um, welcome back to WCBN
2: it's and Ann Arbor it's so good to see you It's so nice to be back. I think I'm here all of 148 minutes, and look where I found myself. I just arrived. (laughs) The
0: place to be. Thank you so
2: much for fitting
0: us in and fitting me in, because this is, it's been since 2016. That was our, our first Living Writers' Conversation, and and. You've been back and forth in Ann Arbor, and we've sort of missed each other, I think, a little bit. I've missed you. I should say that. <laughs> and so it's so good to see you because you're back in town today for the Penny W. Stamps celebration of the 10th anniversary of the the naming of the Penny Stamps as the art and design school. correct? And and they're kicking it off with a bang, I think. I can't think it. You're the best. To... That's so
2: sweet. She was a good friend. And um, actually, I met her under a banyan tree. N- no. Yes. <laughs> I think I'm... we're in for an hour today, aren't we? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this is going to be great. How so? What t- well, she was here in Ann Arbor when I was here a year ahead of me in the old A&D building, so I must have passed her on the stairs because there was only one way to go to class. We all went up and down on those wonderful stairs. And uh, yet she was in interior design, and I was in fine arts, and our, our paths didn't connect in class. So years went by, and I would read the alumni uh, Publications, and I see her name because of the lecture series. and it's, I would I was excited to see the lecture series begin. Then I go to a dinner in Miami at Fairchild Tropical Gardens um, David Fairchild's private home, the Kampong. and it was a small dinner because it was celebrating the campong joining an international group of botanical gardens that were significant, and I was introduced to this beautiful woman in a black knitted dress. She just stood by the table, it's penny stamps, and I said, "So it's Miami, and it doesn't look like an art student from Ann Arbor." Or, you know, I said are you the Penny Stamps from Ann Arbor, Michigan <laughs> School? And she said, well, I'm Penny Stamps. And we became great friends. Oh, and it was under a banyan tree. Under the ba- oh, and under David Fairchild's uh, beautiful, beautiful banyan tree. It turns out, in his writing about um, enchanted islands, it was a trip, the book is about 1930s, early, He describes being seduced in Java by this big banyan tree and the sultan (laughs) of a place I can't pronounce was out of town. So his wife took six seeds and wet blotted paper and they kept the seeds live and he brought them back to Miami by boat and one was in the kampong, one he gave his I'm trying to think of how it worked. He was they were all related, the few men in Miami in the late twenties, but he gave one to the family that was either John Collins or the Pancoast, and they were developing Miami Beach. And so they planted this tree. So the tree is almost a hundred years old. And um that tree was almost they were sister trees. The same same seed seed
0: carrying journey that came to Florida. That's a, I love that story. It's banyans are in the air. I actually I brought um, this postcard that I have in my office. That's a, a row of banyan trees on either side of Beach Road um, in Hope
2: Sound, Florida. Uh, have you ever been there? No, but I know that um, the banyan trees, for example, that lead to Fairchild on Old ah. Cutler Road
0: it's heaven. It's, it is going through, yeah. whether it's day or night, the light, the sunshine filtering mm-hmm. through, or the, the stars coming through the branches that well, I invite you to Hope Sound sometime. Maybe we'll meet there. We'll go to a cafe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you, there's so many Banyan things happening, um, in your life right now. This week, you've got news about another book that's coming down the pike can you can you tell us about that
2: yes well just um this week well the I spoke with the editor I sent it to the publisher about two months ago and it was the same publisher who's published my intuitive alphabet do you know that book
0: yes I love it I, I don't have a
2: physical copy,
0: but I will be getting mine soon. Today, I was just wowed by looking at the images. Like M is for mask, N is for nose, and yes. it's, it's a piece of coral that's making the shape of
2: the, the nose. The, yeah. Well, actually, that, that alphabet has uh, also traveled. It's at Oxford in the library with all the old um, alphabets. And what happened was, I the actual objects themselves. No, the book. The book. Okay. And they laid out on a long table the keeper of the, of the alphabets, the Sumerian alphabet and the cuneiform and the hieroglyphics, and now, we have the intuitive alphabet there, because I met the director of the Bodleian Library, and a great place. A great place. (laughs) I was taken there because I was looking for the Cairo Geniza, and that is a, a repository of ancient texts from medieval times that was discovered uh, in the 1920s. And um, more and more they begin to understand what kind of document it is as they take it apart and study it. Some went to Cambridge, some were at Oxford. So, I'm brought into the director's room, and uh, he said, uh, no, because I knew one of their patrons, and what can I do for you, he said. So I said, well, I just finished this wonderful book called Sacred Trash, The Lost and Found World of the Cairo Geniza, and as I'm speaking, his face lit up. I love that book, he said. What can I do for you? So then he, we became buddies and I write them when I have books that move me in that way. It's so great and that's how it all unraveled. So anyway, I gave a masterclass there on the intuitive alphabet uh, right before COVID. When you were thinking, cause we have so many projects
0: of yours to talk about, Michelle, and but since we're on the intuitive alphabet now, how long was this in the works because it, when I saw the the pictures online today I just felt how um it's just it feels to me like it's all,
2: it's part of this this whole g- growth of your life work It is and- correct. It's a life. And it's the language we all we all know as as young children before we speak. We know the, sh- the spiral in the shell. We know the leaf pattern. We know. It's our language. And then somehow words took over, and then when words were reduced to symbols, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, um, well, it's come back full term, the symbols, but they're not beautiful. Mm-hmm. They're either um, from the Industrial Revolution, you know, print, and, or the disnification of the world, the emoji. There's no more connection to nature that that our language used to have and is embedded was embedded. Right. This Isn't... is part of the disconnect today. Yes, and you, but you, you keep yourself
0: as a as a human being, as an artist, as a maker, um, connected because it seems like you you have objects. From the natural world and other objects objects made objects found um whether they're shells like you said, mm-hmm. or coral or pieces or or things that you're materials that you're working with in the material world or or mm-hmm. books or you know you so is this something the intuitive alphabet where you just suddenly
2: found yourself with these
0: objects and shapes around you? No, what happened (laughs) was
2: the spark was the exhibition at the Perez in 2016. So uh, the curator, Tom Collins, asked me to choose 40 works that I felt were significant. And then when I was done, he looked around the studio and he said, all this should go, but the, the registrar would have a nervous breakdown. He said, can we do a shadow exhibition. Can you pack it yourself? Can we just put it out? And we did. It became two exhibitions at once. The real exhibition in the catalog and the shadow exhibition. So fast forward. A woman who has a graphic design studio in um, Miami took her son to see the exhibition and he looked at this installation I call glyphs and he said mom I can read that that's a story so she called me up and she said I'm starting a publishing company and um, that I'd love that this to be my first book when you write a story and I said oh it's a great idea I've always wanted to write you know bring that forward when but i i can start it next year you know january no no she said i i want to do it right away so do you mind if i come and photograph this i said no you know go photograph so i, I finally said to her because i could feel her wind on my back right. and i said what you know why don't you get a writer? I don't mind if you use it as an illustration. Mm -hmm. So she found a Venezuelan woman who wrote a wonderful story, but she didn't like it. So we're sitting there, and I'm looking at it, and I say, okay, you want to publish in six? This is what I can do for you. A is for animal. I took a dog shape. B is for <laughs> body. That's how it was born. This little boy was the catalyst.
0: Wow! And then you actually you you drew from objects around you and you
2: started I putting drew, them together. And we had that template, the image, yeah. and I circled them. I did a call out, and then I had the originals. I had had them all photographed at one point, so I sent them to her designer. I flew back to Miami. That book was created in five minutes. Wow. And laid out in 20 minutes. And it was, I know, because that's how things are. Yeah, things,
0: especially if they're maybe, well, some things it's a struggle, right? There is a struggle. But sometimes when it's meant to be, it's just this really lovely, smooth,
2: serendipitous swoosh. (laughs) Well, I'd been speaking the language since I was. Yes, old enough to to observe and to take it in. and so, let's say the reason why it happened like that is because that was my language. Yeah. And so right now, I'm working on a book called Ancient Emoji, And that brings back I want to actually create an app where children can have an alternative to the industrial revolution. And to the disnification of the world, they can go back and look at a branching twig. And in my book, it would have been maybe a Y. I happen to use mm-hmm. a coral branching, oh, but yeah. they could they could um, use it as a cro- meet you on the corner, a crossroad. You know, right. I need. To, I'm looking to not only acquire on these pages. Undeniable symbols of faces and things that people have always seen, but try to uh, adapt them for use right. for a generation that right. can begin to look again. That's no small thing—a generation to begin to look again. It's been—I've been working on it for since I finished the intuitive alphabet. Mm-hmm. You know, the emojis have always annoyed me. I'm now thinking, hope I didn't email you one. <laughs> you would have been like, end it. <laughs> no, well some of them are aren't as bad as others, let's face it. But yeah, you know, it's why? If why? It's an interesting thing. It's a great idea to have something that expresses emotion. Mm-hmm. But since we need to be dealing with Mother Earth right now, we yes. need to we need a device to bring the attention back, yes, um well, I can't wait to see this then this project,
0: this next one. It, it occurs to me that I was so happy to see you, Michelle, that i didn't I didn't read your bio um and talk a little bit more about the event tomorrow that folks can attend in person an in person event mm-hmm. at Michigan theater five thirty um maybe we'll quickly do that and i know how we can jump back into the conversation too um if we if we have time frank frank uly thanks for engineering today he will he will keep us on track um but for now the bio and uh the event michelle oka donor um is in town um tomorrow the event through penny w stamps art and design speaking series the penny stamp speaking series um the title of the event is Carrying Golden Threads. So I'm eager to hear more about that too. Um, tomorrow at the Michigan Theater um, in person. You can also watch a video. You can stream at the time too. Michelle o'kadoner is an internationally renowned artist whose career spans six decades. Her work is fueled by a lifelong study and appreciation of the natural world from which she derives her formal vocabulary The breadth of her artistic production encompasses sculpture, drawing, public art, functional objects, video, artist books, and costume and set design. She is well known for creating numerous permanent art installations throughout the United States, including flight at Reagan International Airport in Arlington, Virginia, Radiant Site at the Herald Square MTA Station, New York, and the Mile and Quarter Bronze and Terrazzo Concourse. Am I saying terrazzo, right? Or yes, you there, said okay? it the is way that, I used to. Yes, <laughs> is there, is a, <laughs> a walk on the beach mm-hmm. at Miami International Airport, seen by um, forty million travelers annually. Uh, so, so many people. That's my favorite. I'm, but I'm, I'm, mm. I'm not biased at all. Right, with our Florida connection here. Oka Doner's work is found in collections around the world and also closer to home here at the DIA, the Detroit Institute of Arts, and the University of Michigan. Um, Michelle, let's see, Michelle Okadonor is here in Ann Arbor to give the talk Carrying Golden Threads as part of the 10th naming anniversary celebration of the Penny W. Stamp School of Art and Design. Um, September 20th, 2022 marks 10 years since the naming of the school in honor of Penny W. Stamps for the remarkable gift her and her husband, Eero Stamps, made to support art and design education at the University of Michigan. back to Michelle. Born and raised in Miami Beach, Michelle Oka Donor was made guardian of the city of Miami Beach's centennial banyan tree and represents Miami Beach as ambassador for arts and culture. In 2021, she maintains a home and studio in New York City.
2: I'm so glad you're here. I'm so happy to be here. It's so nice to be home. I always feel home when I come to Ann Arbor. You had some formative years here with the undergrad
0: and then your your
2: fine arts degree. Yes, well, um, they were formative years. I think for the nation also, it was a very special time. And they things were felt deeply. Music changed. The way we looked at the world changed, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, as well as an education that was uh, traditional we
0: Michelle let's take let's take a short break and then we'll come back and we'll pick up here um now we're going to hear music I believe that accompanies the video of the installation that we we talked about a walk on the beach um so listen in folks if you've never heard a conch played before or a conch um you're about to Welcome back if you're just joining joining us. I'm so glad you did. today, Michelle Okadonor is here um, in the studio. Um, I'm thrilled to be sitting in the same room with you, Michelle. Seeing oh, you. so sweet. And today on the table, there's Michelle, as if you've been listening for the first quarter of the program, you know there's there's a multitude of projects um, that are being um, in the process and also being born. Um, that Michelle is always working on Um, today on the table. We happen to have um, one of my personal favorites into the Mysterium, uh, a a wonderful book that, um, you can check out a conversation that Michelle and I had in 2016 if you'd like to know more about this beautiful um, photo book of a project. Um, and we also have Miami Beach Blueprint of an Eden live scene through the prism of family in place um, by Michelle Okedoner and Mitchell Wolfson Jr., um, which has maybe we could talk about this book a little bit now. Um, although we did... We did leave everyone with your education here at Michigan. Maybe, let's go there. Let's go back to that for a minute. And, and
2: Well, they're connected. You know, the, the city of Miami Beach, let's say, you know, living there. And it was a new city, you know, incorporated 1915. I was born 1945. So who lives in a city that's 30 years old, you know, when right. you think about it? Right. And it was filled with vines and trees. And so... It had a lot to offer in terms of the sky was visible everywhere, and we had no big buildings, and mm. the weather was nice. And so it was, gave me a language of um, a natural world and the ability to explore. But it didn't have any cultural institutions, and neither did Miami, which was also a young city. So coming to Ann Arbor gave me the tools And that was in Detroit, which is, you know, it's right next to it, uh, was, for me, an awakening. The Detroit Institute of Art, which is a mini metropolitan museum. And uh, the the library across the street, the Fisher Building, the architecture. We didn't have architecture. Well, we had Morris Lapidus, who I knew. But, so this was a, This was wonderful. In my first day going into Lorch Hall here and the old building, the Puabic tile floors, and it turns out that Dean Lorch was uh, prescient when they tore down the old Havemeyer mansion on Fifth Avenue because Art Nouveau was out and modernism came in the late 20s, early 30s. He rescued the Tiffany chandelier and the radiator covers. So, I'm seventeen years old. I'm coming from Miami Beach. I walk into the building, and it was just beautiful. And to think, I'm not prejudiced. Lewis Mumford, our great American philosopher, in his book on essays, not only has a photograph of Lorch Hall, but he says it is the most beautiful school. For architecture and design, the way the studios face um, north mm-hmm. and the light, and it, it was really an extraordinary place. Oh, and now you have one of your
0: one of your public art insta- installations, which is also near UMA, the University um, Museum of Art, is is there? And I, could you talk a little bit about Fine,' cuz angry neptune salicia and strider oh yes
2: this. those those um well angry neptune was the first time i understood that's 2007 i made it 2008 is when it was dated completed where i was seeing plastic in the water i you know i was an early uh, mm-hmm. uh ecologist in the sense of m- looking and noticing not until five years later when I read the reality of what all this meant and put it together uh, did I have the uh, scientific evidence, but the instinctive and visceral sense that we were soiling our own nest. Mm -hmm. So that's Angry Neptune. And then the other pieces also were inspired by... Um, mother earth the forms and they were having a conversation now i can't figure out if they came way before us or whether they're coming way after us but well, and cuz they're made out of bronze bronze and how
0: did you how did you first make these cuz the obj- they're 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 um they're creatures that are bigger than life size mm-hmm. um and they look like they are so of the earth and they're under Um, some evergreen trees there off to the side. Um, And they look like they've been there forever.
2: Well, you know, it's interesting if you've ever seen Wagner's Ring Cycle, um, there are three Norns who are under the earth. And that's a Norse, um, he, he got it from the Vikings, from the Norse myths, somehow mythologically this is embedded in us. I think that the Jungian idea of collective consciousness it is true because these things, I don't think them up. I express what's there. And so how with, cause these, there are other,
0: um, I want to say creatures rather than art objects. I like these, these public, they, there are um, several of them. And so, um, they really, it just feels to be so. It's. Are you saying, Michelle, that these creatures that you made and that that people can see if they're walking along outside near the art museum near Lorch, like that they are, in some way, in a response to what's happening to the earth and with climate change and?
2: Well, they're they're both that, but I've always imagined that we weren't different, let's say, than the bark of a tree. In fact, I always imagined when I was young, I could see a leaf, for example, in the mm-hmm. veins, that, and then I'd look at my hand and see the veins that carried the fluid to support my body. I, I knew that we were them and that they weren't a separate phylum or a separate species. So this, in, this started this kind of idea began out of the connectedness of everything but angry neptune was the first step in in expressing we're connected and look what we're we're making our ancestors angry mm, because it does seem like the forms have
0: branches and roots and and maybe coral structures that are within part of the making of them
2: well it's interesting i was um this, just finished for the city of Miami Beach, their graphic component for the first Aspen Ideas conference that took place in Miami Beach on climate change. And I use the coral component, as you would say, because it's both a colony, but there are individual units. And I wanted to say that each one of us is an individual unit, but we need to act as a colony to protect the climb, protect earth. Mm -hmm. So, but these are, uh, there's a lot of forms that don't really have names because you want to look, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. I used wax, I used wood, I used everything that would burn out. So there's no coral really because that's limestone. Mm Isn't that oh, interesting? Yes. So when you do a bronze, you well, you could make a mold, but if you make a mold, you lose a lot of the texture. It's like it's like kissing through cellophane. You know, <laughs> you still got a kiss, but it's less intense. Less you know? a kiss. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so you
0: used so you burned the materials to. Well, they burn the, out
2: when the, you go to cast them. Oh, right. You know, as you pour in they have the to burn bronze. them out and it leaves the form inside of it's really a very uh, laborious process and and you you but you don't mind a foundry well you know i realized i started working in clay and i was making sculptures that the larger they became the more fragile some of them were and and cumbersome you know so i switched to casting bronze in the mid 80s so they wouldn't fall apart. Of course, I missed all of the uh, textures I was getting that were direct in clay. But I learned how to work wax like clay and make it a direct burnout without a mold. How do
0: you make sure as as a maker, as an artist and person, that you are always open... And growing through, because just hearing you you speak in this one moment about working from clay and to, you know and then the the process of and the change, mm-hmm. I, the transformation really, like uh, you as a maker and what you're pulling in, um,
2: you know, it's like um you can't you can never enter the river at the same place, you know, the same what does they say you can't enter a river at. It's never the same river. It so it's always moving. Life is always moving. So you can't stay still. You know, you have to, when you move with it, you're traveling and mentally and visually. You're moving. You take in and you keep going and you respond, you know. And so it's, a, it's part of the, it's a natural process mm. to um, keep growing we are we do keep growing you know and you can just look at me and i haven't seen you in since 2016 so it's different i look different mm-hmm. and that's the same thing
0: yeah and all our cells are different as they say right it's every 7 years or something we're we're different it seems to me that with your work it's always it's i'm saying it's always changing but it feels like there's these these threads going through it even in how you're open to change and changing things and maybe resisting what others might want from you, but trusting something inside yourself. If I think back to the times that I read about when you were in maybe your first exhibit in the Detroit Institute of art, I think it was called works in progress Mm -hmm. and you had, you put it out on the gallery floor instead of something like at the time it was more let's put it on a pedestal or let's put it on a wall and
2: yeah yeah six weeks before that exhibition was to open the museum called and said are you sure you want to use the floor because if we don't make the pedestals now (laughs) I mean they kept wanting but that was the beginning of set setting aside and returning really Setting aside art on a pedestal, which I felt wasn't where it belonged, and returning it to where we the same realm we're in. (laughs) And if art has a sacred part, then that's the same realm we're in. We need to have what Martin Buber called an I thou voice. So let's all be art and people and everything. On the same plane. Let's not put things, objects, on pedestals and leave us, you know, um, wading through the muck. Right, right. And so,
0: and then, so this moment where you're you're placing the pieces, which I think were um, images of writing mm-hmm. in process of drafting, maybe, the glyphs, yes. and a work in progress. Even with that, when you think about making and revising. And, um, and then also seeds to, in different stages of germination, which is such a beautiful idea, not to mention it connecting back to the banyan seeds
2: that were taken from Java. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting. You know, I was reading in 1972, Kawabata won the um, Nobel Prize, first time a Japanese person. And they tr- started started translating first Spring Snow and um, uh, uh, Thousand Cranes. That was the great book, and then Mishima. And Mishima wrote the tetralogy, and he had the idea of seeds of consciousness, karmic seeds, and I loved it. I underlined it in the book, which I don't o- often do, and I started making seeds, and the seeds were in that exhibition on the floor where they belonged. They didn't belong on a pedestal. They belonged on the ground. So that marble floor was as close to the ground as I ever got <laughs> in the museum. But And then you keep
0: working with this idea in your public art installations, whether it's like here on campus, what we, we were talking about, um, Neptune and the the creatures, or if it's the um, the the science benches that that you created to have in a space where students could sit on them and use them. I think one's for physics and yes, and then, that's right. And but in the Miami airport, the international airport, you, we played the song that goes with a walk on a beach. And mm. can you tell us a little bit about the making of that? That because that's a huge. Uh, that's a huge installation.
2: That that's um, that took many years, and it was originally about um, a little less than four thousand square feet. And um, it was an experiment. I wasn't a hundred percent positive all those bronzes would stay in the terrazzo. Think about that. But I signed the contract, and I had done a small work, two small works, as one in Evanston Public Library one in the sacramento um library. And so nobody was calling me up complaining, so I thought I I would try it on a large scale. See, you take risks, yes. you know, and um then I wondered what's going on here. It's going people will walk on it. I knew the luggage would go, but then I saw them plan these concession stands and I thought Gee, you know, it's it's um, it's not in a frame. Then I got the idea that the walk on the beach always you see that foam, you know, that line, the littoral zone, and I decided I maybe I can sprinkle mother of pearl. Now don't ask me how and why, and th- I wrote an ad- Uh, Vivian Rodriguez, who was head of public art, and I explained I needed a framing device to separate the um, vernacular from the sacred. That's, I think, how I said it. It's something, and she said, well, what, what, how you, I don't know. I said, let me figure this out. I asked Terrazzo people, and they said, there's a man in San Francisco who has unusual aggregates. So I get his 800 number and I call him up and I forgot he was three hours um, difference and I woke him up in the morning and he said, I know a button factory in the Philippines and they have scrap and let me see if I can buy it for you. So fast forward, I had a $53,000 addendum, which was not nothing in 1993 to get tons, to buy everything. And Mm -hmm. then I didn't know if it would be ground out. That was, um, you know, when the grinder comes for the terrazzo. You can't mix it in because it'll sink. So I had to learn how to, what the terrazzo man called bird seed it in, you know, sprinkle it. Then we were afraid it would get ground off the top, so we bought rakes. It was a real process.
0: And so put us in the picture a little bit, Michelle. Were you were you there experimenting in the international airport (laughs) or were you off in a studio experimenting so that you, but. No, I was
2: on, uh, no, there was no studio. Nobody, you can't, yeah, it's a big setup. Let me say it that way. It can't be a mile. (laughs) No, (laughs) I held my breath and then he started a huge business because that sparked such interest. And now you can get, mother of pearl but it's all broken up by machines and it's homogenous hmm. my mother of pearl had these little it was all scrap and it was it was i can see the difference it always amuses me and then the project expanded from a concourse to a whole terminal and it kept going and and, and people going. Are,
0: and people are taking a, like a walk on the beach you've created this for them while they're traversing there between flights or
2: arriving or departing you
0: and they're know, walking
2: on it the art it's so interesting i don't know of another airport in the world where that floor would belong it's so miami there's something about it that is it's it has it's jazzy it has a rhythm yet it's natural it, everything there is a miami you find on the on the ground it's fallen out of a tree or Even like nope doesn't belong in Hawaii doesn't belong you see there's no place it captures a feeling and that's what that's really what the profession was is supposed to do that's what we are carrying with us from generation to generation is a respect for the materials that make us, what makes us. And uh, in fact, Zora Neale Hurston said it so well. She said, I have memories within that came out of the materials that went to make me. Time and place have had their say. So that's how that floor was made.
0: and it feels also like what you're saying Michelle as it's a mission of how you believe like the work of a an artist is like a responsibility
2: through the generations it's always been a calling and i think that part of why i'm i'm interested in taking the alphabet out in the world, or the taking it further, all these things is because we are as a culture right now, so confused, and people are as a result there's so much uh depression you can you know pick up the paper there's anger there's there's all there's not a lot of happy things at the moment, you know it's so we need to we need to take a step back and look at what we've done in every way and and what does it mean you know what it, what did it cost us mm. and the bill is on the table right now is when you're when
0: you're carrying golden threads this is the the title of mm. your your talk the event tomorrow mm-hmm. um is this something about the work of creating and making, and also the responsibility?: Absolutely. To keep we like care, mm, yeah. carrying that thread yeah. through time,
2: or can you yeah, how did talk, How did you name this, and what does this mean to you?: You know, so many people have given me so many gifts the, the people who came and taught me. Came in the 30s, most of them from Sarin with Sarinin to make Cranbrook, then they came to Ann Arbor when they were older and retired, and then people like Joe Ware, they came from the Bauhaus, which came to IIT from Chicago. So Ann Arbor benefited by the diaspora from fascism. And those people were intense, and they knew what life was, and they knew how precious it was. And they, they were wonderful teachers. I had wonderful teachers. Even when I was younger, we had music teachers, a couple that also fled from Vienna, and uh, she would pull our hair to get higher notes, and he played the violin, <gasps> the strivelings. I mean, I just remember the songs they taught me, I still remember, and there was a sense of community, there was a sense of passing on these ideas, we had a, we, then my teacher who had studied with Meyer Grotel, uh, John Stevenson, he came to, from Cranbrook in graduate school, and then had a Fulbright to Japan, and he studied with, Sotsi Hamada, who was a national treasure. So then he brought Hamada here for the 150th anniversary. We had to learn how to say it, the sesquicentennial. (laughs) It's a big word. And that was 1967, and he came for the May Festival, and he uh, threw pots. It was just unbelievable. So what do you 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 accept this you know money can't buy all this it's not a it's not a transactional thing they're giving you what was handed to them mm-hmm. there's a great chain that's not visible right now you know what's visible are the brands mm-hmm. and it they they i think a lot of this is drowning and so i want to make it visible when i speak that I'm not some special thing. I didn't invent myself. I received, I start with trees from around me, what what life was. I watched, I watched, you know, buds become flowers. I watched insects crawl and get their food and crawl back. I watched ants in a line. You know, what do children do? And then I learned, I kept it. And then I learned to think about it in materials and I was able to do it. I was able to get an education. Somebody had to think up a university. You know, think about all this culture that right now
1: mm-hmm.
2: is being um, set aside for, you know, a lot of violence on, on the screen. So I don't understand. I'm, I, I am bothered by the violence, and I'm trying to use what I received. You know, what do you say about the shootings in school? You know, how do you engage people? This is so, yes, there's and help a, people
0: move past hopelessness.
2: Yes, so it's, it's not, I'm not about to talk to anybody and never have about a career
1: mm,
2: that's right. You know, this is not about a career. This is about, um, this is a, life is a laboratory for living. And, you know, it's always, an, and it's a noble experiment. So that, and that's what was handed to me. And all these people who came from Europe because they were thrown out in their families, they, could have been angry and bitter and and um, and held back. and instead they were they were an extraordinary generation and have added so much um, intellectual and spiritual and creative capital. And Ann Arbor had a nice handful of it, a wonderful, wonderful share of all these traditions. Which connects to something that you said off
0: air um, uh, a few, um, sometime a little while ago, Michelle. The Ann Arbor cauldron, as yes, you I've, as you
2: see it. Ann Arbor was a cauldron, and I'm and again, it's not just my imagination. This last book by Louis Meand, and he cites it was in the New Yorker. I almost fell off my chair. <laughs> He cites Ann Arbor as the place where everything started. And he said um, that it then spread to Berkeley, and he then he named, I have, actually, I do have it with me, but I don't remember the names. So he understood that it went from Tom Hayden in the Port Huron Manifesto, the SDS started, all of this ferment. But it was peaceful, you know. I was at that first teaching. I was up all night with my professors. Really? But he writes about all of this and how it happened and how it spread. And this is so. This was the beginning of the anti-war movement, which is always associated with Berkeley.
0: And and you have one of your pieces, a death mask, was featured on the Mich- University of Michigan Avant Garde Journal Generation.
2: Yes, and they used. To and also, you were a student. Then. I was a student. I was really. I, I was went from Miami Beach in this idyllic life into a into a cauldron of ferment of activity and creativity and and experimentation, and it was just wonderful and. I had the emotional ballast to not get sucked down into the vortex of it, but to really dance around the edges of it and uh, capture as much of the pollen that I could personally sustain. And then try to master all that I saw and learned. And that was, it's a job. People don't understand. Being a student being a student yes. and then taking it with you yes. and and taking it out in the world that is see we've lost our mission as a country we 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 are entertained all the time constantly entertained so this is where i'm political again i've come back to Ann Arbor to to rouse them a little bit and um, in honor of um, of the the golden threads that were here at the school, mm-hmm. they were hardworking people. Even though they we we drank, we hung out, but it, we 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 parsed the world, you know, right. like curt vials lost in the stars. You know, they went through our fingers, but we we saw them and we, we knew, you know, we were, we were, we were enthralled with the magic of living. And it's,
0: you carry those memories and moments with you as just as part of your, your being here in this moment, but also in your, through your hands, right? How, what you are making.
2: Well, that's what art is. It's transformation. But we all we're all built on other we're all standing on other people's shoulders. none of us are just um, the greatest you know the invention of the we have to get out of what's known as the Freudian era of art and go back to the Jungian the collective consciousness, the understanding of and Lewis Mumford in the city of history says there's two periods always. He says the Neolithic and the Paleolithic. The Neolithic is the Council of Elders and the grinding tools and you know and the Paleolithic is the solitary king and the knights and the sharp the sharp pointed tool you know, <laughs> arrows and all. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Barack Obama was a Neolithic president and then we got a Paleolithic president.
0: Oh, every life, art, everything is political if, if in some ways if you're alive right if That's it's correct well michelle i can't i can't hardly believe that this time has flown by you've flown into town and then um it's just been such a joy getting a chance to have this time with you and 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 share you share you with all the ears of um ann arbor and beyond and frank here um in the studio um I can't even believe that we haven't we've got your beautiful Miami beach blueprint of an Eden book here it's it's amazing it captures um it captures the essence of of this place and its spirit I think as you spoke about it in a walk on the beach even mm-hmm. as you, about um but you're you're here we're here now in this moment and you're making and you've got a new children's book that is also coming out about banyans um maybe why is why is that important why is that why do you think and right now it matters that this also this story is in the world with the the children the for for children and everyone about the banyans
2: well i always wanted to write a book about the banyan tree and a few others around them and I had a title. It was—it's called *Ecstatic Nutrition: The Trees in My Life*. But then the mayor of Miami Beach asked me to write a children's book. So I've taken a segue, and so—but I'll get to that last book in a few. You know, it, I collect for it, so it'll fall into place. So that's how the book came. The mayor asked me. That's. And so it took me a year to organize it and do the illustrations. It was hard to visualize how the earth was breathing and the soil underneath. You know, I've never spent a day trying to create what dirt would look like flat for a child. It was, it was very interesting. But now you've done it. Yeah, I've done it.
0: And we'll be able to see it. It's Everything is connected. Talking with you, it's always such a... a- a wonder, because your father was the mayor of Miami Beach when you were growing up for your young adulthood, wasn't he?
2: Yes, he was a judge before that. So I learned a lot about, uh, I learned a lot. You know, it was, the home was very focused. We He would come home and at the dinner table, people ate home in those days. If they went out, it was once a week. So family sat down. But he would go over, what had happened during the day. So we grew up with a tremendous legacy of social justice.
0: And that's, that's something maybe also why public art is such a part of your life as well. And part
2: of your work. I love the WPA. I thought it was really great.
0: Michelle, thanks. Thanks so much for being here, carrying, carrying the golden thread. um, Tomorrow Everybody, you can put it on your your date calendar at 5:30 at the Michigan Theater. Um, Michelle Oka Donor will be um, will be giving a Penny Stamps uh, a, a speaker event, um, and. Thanks to Frank Uli for engineering. Michelle, thank you so much for being here.
2: It's my pleasure. It's always so nice to see you, and you're so insightful. So it's a pleasure to share with you.
0: I can't wait till the next time. Um, Until then, I'm T. Hetzel. Thanks for listening, everyone.
1: to the Daily Sports Report on on. Hold on. Okay, welcome to the Daily Sports Report. Uh, we might have some technical difficulties because we started out uh, with another live panel in here. If you guys want to try and plug in your micro- or your headphones, there, it's over there. I think that might be the problem. Sorry, we're just trying to have to go in uh, on the fly here. The, yeah, Amir, there's a. There should be a plug in there. They fixed it last time. Okay, can we go now? Can you guys hear me? You guys should be on, so try and talk, any of you.